0: Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Again, so good to, uh, to be in the house of the Lord together this morning. If you happen to be new and joining us uh, this morning, either online or, or uh, with us uh, in person here for the first time, we just want to extend a really uh, special welcome to you. We're super grateful. Uh, that you came and chose to worship with us. We, we recognize and acknowledge there's a number of great churches right here in Sheridan. We're blessed as a community to have so many really great churches. And it's our hope that if, if, if God would lead you to here, here that you would find a, a church family and a church home here. But if not, we encourage you uh, to, to continue Uh, in your journey here, we believe that God has a church home for you, and it's our heart that you would uh, find that place and that you would plug in and serve there in that community. All right, happy Father's Day, all you dads out there. All right, dads. So yeah, I mean, families, you know, you can just do a few things for dad today. Maybe catch those dishes, run the vacuum a little bit, Catch a few things. Just give the guy a break a little bit, all right? You know, let's, let's let us, you know, watch the kids, something like that, you know. <laughs> give him a break today, okay? So I wanted to start uh, this morning and just talking. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is our, our, our topic throughout the summer. It's our summer series is, is, is the Holy Spirit. Um, we we, we kind of did an intro last week, and now we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, And we're beginning that by talking about love, right, which is the first one. But as we talk about walking in the Spirit, I wanted to share um, just a couple things that have happened relatively recently. Um, I wanted to share this earlier and just couldn't ever really get the time in, but uh, a while back I I pulled into a gas station, a month ago roughly, uh, I pulled into a gas station that I generally don't ever pull into, and um, started to fill up my tank with gas and there was a family at uh, the tank across from me, and the guy very sheepishly approached me and said, took his gold ring off and said, "Would you get me a a, a tank of gas because um, we don't have any gas?" We <clears throat> they were excuse me they were foreigners. They were actually come to find out from Ukraine, and they lived up by Romania and they had fled uh, Ukraine uh, when. Putin invaded Ukraine, and they'd been living in Texas, and he had come up here on some kind of a job deal, and his English wasn't that great. It was kind of hard to figure out what had went wrong, but something had went wrong, and, and they were struggling to get back down to Texas where they were living. And uh, he had two little, little girls with him, and for me, I knew, you know, honestly, I mean, I just felt really the spirit just kind of go, okay, this is the real deal, and plus, generally, when people aren't the real deal, they're not offering to hand you over a gold ring. For a tank of gas, you know, kind of a thing. So I, was, so I took his gold ring. I put it in my... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, um, so I said, oh, you know, and, and I started talking to him. I told him, I said, I'm a pastor. And they both just started just praising Jesus because they've been praying. They were Christians. They were believers. And they've been praying that the Lord would somehow help them out in this situation that they were in. And so it was just so cool. It was just so, it was just such a God moment, you know? And so we were able, you were able, thank you for your giving and your participation within the church because we, we, we filled up their, their car with gas and we gave them another $400 so that they could just make it all the way back and stuff, right? So, so thank you. I mean, that's just the kind of things that, that, that are happening when we're giving and we're moving. Friday morning, we're sitting here after an early morning Bible study, and I'm sitting here talking with Mark Cook, who was wanting to visit a little bit after the Bible study, and so we're hanging out, and here comes this guy in from outside, and he's just got a blanket on, and we often have people just kind of come in to the church who are struggling, who are looking for different things, and this guy he says, you know, I said, hey, you know, what you got going on? And he said, well, I'm homeless, and basically this is what I've got, you know, I had a coat, but it's soaked, and so he had this... this." uh blanket on, and I said, you know, I said, what's going on in your life, you know? And he said, well, you know, I've got a deep, really bad struggle with alcohol, and I'm struggling that way and stuff, and he said, do you ever give out vouchers for motel rooms and stuff? And I said, no. And, and, and you see, this is one of the hard t- parts about being sometimes Christian in the church is that there's, there are things that we could do that would seem like they're helpful, but they're not. And so my, my commitment as a, in this is that I won't do something that helps someone to stay in an unhealthy place, right? So I, so I said, look, no, we can't do that for you. But what you really need to do is you need to get into detox. You need to get into a safe place. And VOA has one over here. And, and we will help you right now to get over there and to get into that and stuff. And he said, you know, yeah, that's, that's really what I need to do. I've got to get, you know, I've got to work through this alcohol problem and stuff. It's ruining my life. And so I said, yeah, it's, it's not working. It's not going to work. And, you know, we, need, we want to help you out that way. And so Mark was wanting to visit with me. He said, look, I know you guys are wanting to visit, so I'm going to step outside real quick, and, and uh, you know, and then you guys can talk, and then we'll go. I said, okay. So we talk for a second, and then we go out there, and he's gone. He's just gone. He's just booked, you know, that happens. And so we're like, well, so we prayed for him and said, okay. So then I went, and um, I, I went to the Y, and I worked out, and I'm coming back home, and guess what? I, I come, it's not like he's walking this way and I'm walking this way. I, I, meet, I meet this guy at a T, like right there at the T, like just boom. There he is. And he's looking. He's like, whoa. He's like, you know, nobody really likes to see the pastor in those moments sometimes, you know. And I just told him, I said, man, look, this is no accident right now that, that I, we just met like this. I said, God is wanting to do something in your life. He wants to deliver you from this addiction of alcohol. He wants, to, he wants to help you with this and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I was thinking about maybe going to the detox. And, and uh, <laughs> I said, well, you know, and I said, do you know anything about God? And he said, well, you know, and, I, and so I just shared the gospel with him. You know, I said, look, here, here's the deal. And, and you can be a new creation. You can, you can be completely new. And, and God has a plan, and he has a work for you, and all of this stuff. And, and then he was, his eyes were about this big around. And, and I said, look, can I pray with you? And his eyes got like that much bigger around. And, and so I prayed with him. And then guess what? He walked on down the path, and that was the end of it, honestly. That, that was it. But you see, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't active or participating. I don't, I don't know what happened in his life, but it was a moment where I knew this is what the Spirit of God was doing, that it was no accident that I'd come into contact with him that second time. And, and we have opportunities like that many times as, 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 as believers, you know. And, and guess what? Your job is just to do this. It's, it's to throw some seed around. It's to plant seed. Your, your job isn't to, to make it grow or see it come to fruition. That's God's job. That's what God does. But we scatter seed. And so there are a lot of times where we don't know what the outcome is. I don't know what the outcome is in that guy's life, but I know that God wants to do something in His life, I can be assured of that. And so, just uh, think about your opportunities and what 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 uh, what might have come your way, and how you could share and encourage the rest of us. So, yeah this this power this this power of the Holy Spirit it's it's the power that in Acts uh, Jesus told uh, the disciples to to go and to to wait for them wait for Him what, until power would come upon them. And that power was the, was the Holy Spirit, and that day was Pentecost, and it's the day when the church was really birthed. And In the Greek, the word is dunamis or dunami, and it, it's a word where we, we, we get the English words dynamo or dynamic or dynamite out of this word. It's the power that when the lady crawled through the crowd of people as, as Jesus was going to Jairus' home to, to, to pray over her do- his sick daughter, when this woman who had an issue of blood crept through the crowd and touched the hem of his robe, this is the power that came out of Jesus that healed her at that moment. See, it's the power that, that, uh, that Jesus walked in as he walked in his ministry on this earth. And it's the power that the church walks in right now as well, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Interesting thing that happened, you see, Jesus, in Philippians 2, it talks about that although he existed in the form of God, that he didn't uh, think equality with God, something to be grasped, and so he emptied himself and became a bondservant. He became a servant to us. It doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't divine, but what he did was he took his personal powers of his divine nature, and he put those aside, and he walked under the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit the same way that the church walks today. So, we come to this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. And again, fruit, when we talk about fruit, I want to continue to emphasize that this isn't something that that God is calling us out to go and and to do. Excuse me. He's not calling you to go and just try to do a bunch of good works. He's not calling us to go and... And just go out there and purposely just, well, I'm going to go help a bunch of old ladies across the street. Or I'm going to go hang out at the gas station and wait for somebody. He may call you to do that. Don't get me wrong. But, but most likely, what, what, we're not being called to just go out and do a bunch of good works. To just be good people. What we're called to is to be rooted into him. He says that he is the, he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we abide in him and him in us, then we will bear much fruit. So bearing fruit isn't a matter of effort. Bearing fruit is a matter of where our roots are extended into. It's a matter of, of, of what, where our roots are going down. Are our roots going into a shallow place, into just the things of the world? Are we going deep and are we going into a place where there's some security, where there's some meaning, where there's identity, where, where we can find purpose even in life? And, and as that comes in and through us, fruit just appears. It just shows up. It's not an effort, it's, it's a result of being rooted in Christ, that the fruit of the Spirit then begins to be exhibited in our lives. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit, 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says this, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So as we define love, we want we, we to look at this. And what is this telling us? It's telling us this. It's telling us that, that those who have been born again into a new life, into a, becoming a new creation, that there's a new, really a new type of love that is formed in us. And we're going to talk about that, but this is, a, this is a higher form of love. It's called agape in the Greek. It, it, it's not just any old love. This love is the kind of love that God has loved us with. Whoever has been born of God, this love begins to be evident in their lives. Anyone who does not know God does not love in this manner because God is love. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It does not say that love... Is God. It says that God is love. That God Himself, that in Jesus, we see the personification of love into this world, brought into this world to, to pay the penalty for sin so that you and I could be brought into a relationship between, but with a holy and perfect God. And when this happens, the Bible says that we're born again and this kind of love becomes a reality within us. <clears throat> See, the world is struggling with defining what love is, but we have to begin with God to understand what love is. What we tend to do in this world is we start with love, and we begin to assign love to God. We begin to say that that the things that we love, but love is not God. God is love, and and God has a a particular um, forms of, of what he says love looks like. You see, there's a standard and there's a source to begin to define love from. We cannot take love and then make a definition of God. We have to begin with God and then define what love is. See, the Bible tells us that at a certain point when we take the kind of love that we tend to have, which is kind of a, it's really ultimately, it's a selfish love. It's about us. It's about our desires. It's about what we want. Second Timothy 3, 2, and 4. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, as the world moves away from God and who God is and God's definitions of love, we, we move into a selfish form of love. We move into the lower forms of love. See, we get love and like confused a lot. We say, man, I really love baseball, or I really love this, or I love that. And Ronnie does love baseball, though. <laughs> we, we know Ronnie does love baseball. But, but we, what we do is we take these things that we would say is an intense like, and we turn it into love. And we begin to make statements in the world that say things like this, love is love. And that's a big statement that's going around particularly right now, that love is just love. But the Bible actually has four different words. There are four, there are four different Greek words for love. There, the, the, the first one is storge, and it means an affection. It, it's the idea of, of that intense like. I have, I have a real liking or longing for this. The next one is, is eros, and, and eros is, is a love of passion. We get the word erotic from it. It, it's, it has to do with, with, with sex and things like that, but it's, it's more than that. You could have an eros love for um, your job, and, and that eros love could drive you, actually that passion for your work could drive you into a place of becoming a workaholic. <clears throat> See, all of these loves ultimately have to bow down to a higher love. One of the other loves is phileo. It's a friendship. It's a brotherly love. We get the, the word, uh, the city of Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. is phileo delphia, love, brother, the city of brotherly love. And, and so it's a, it means a great affection, and it means this kind of like a family kind of a love. But then the highest form of love is agape love, and this is the love that God has for us. And agape love is selfless It's unconditional. The focus of agape love isn't itself and its own desires. Agape love is about others. It seeks the well-being of others, even when that love isn't reciprocated back to it. It is God's love for us, and it's our example of what love should look like for the Christian. And all of the lesser loves have to come underneath the authority of this greater love. See, if, if, if something like storge, when we take storge or an affection or a great like of different things and that comes to the top, then we turn those things into idols in our lives. Those things get out of place and they may be perfectly good things, but they get out of place in our lives and they become an idol. Eros, passion sexuality, when those kinds of things are, are taken outside of agape love and not brought under the authority of it, then, then, then the world begins to go really wild with that kind of stuff. We, we see it in, since the sexual revolution, really, we see how, how it just continues to go out and it just keeps going further and further and further. There becomes no parameters. There becomes no rules by which it's governed. See, it's one of the hard things of Christianity is that Christianity has an ethic to it. There's, there, there are ethics that are involved with Christianity. And Christianity is deeply this, this message of love. The problem and the offense of Christianity is it says that there are parameters to things. And we don't like that. See, you see we, want, we want to be able to do what we want, when we want, how we want, and do not question it. So it's one of the offenses of being a Christian. It's, it says that, that, that there are actually parameters to things, that, that God has ways and he has protections for us. He has ways and he has things in which things are acceptable and things that are outside of those things and are not acceptable. And so when we do that, we live in the freedom and the health that God really intends for us. When we just go amok and we we just begin to be just all about everything, we start to see how things within the world begin to crash around us. We see how things in our own lives, when, when, when me, when I, when I put myself at the top and my own desires and my, my own whims and wants and desires, if that goes to the top, then it's a train wreck in my life. It's been a train wreck in my life. It's, it's cost me deeply in my life whenever I lived in that manner. But see, when we bring it all under the authority of God and that agape love and all of the lesser loves are formed out of the greater love, then we end up in a place where goodness is happening and where good things are happening out of our lives. See, we love because he first loved us, the Bible says. Not because it was just in us, not because we love because we're great people. See, we love or we have the concept or the understanding of love because it's part of the very nature and character of God. And because God is loving himself and because we're created in the image of God, we have this deep desire for love. And let me say that the church, the church needs to be compassionate. It needs to be kind. It needs to recognize that, that there's all kinds of struggles that are going on out there. And there's all kinds of, of, of people thinking that, that we can just do whatever, however. We're not called to come against those folks. We're, coming, we're called to come for them. To remember that, 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 that the call on our lives is, is a new creation. The hope of the world is to become a new creation not to be subject to our own desires and our own shallow definitions of what love is. See, Jesus says some crazy stuff, right? He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You're like, wow, Jesus, that's just, that seems kind of tense and a lot, But you see, this is the nature of it. You see, if I, if I don't love my wife with agape love, if I'm not first filled with agape love, the, the kind of love that, that I'm called to as a husband to love my wife with, I first have to experience and know and, and, and have the love of God to fill my life through the Spirit so that there's something to go out. You see, God has to be number one in our lives. And when He's not, something less than begins to take the place of that and if I put my wife in that place and I say well she's the most important and she's the highest thing in my life well now I've put her in the place of God and that's an unfair place for her to have to try to live out of it's bound for defeat it's bound for for struggle because she can't live up to that and neither can anyone else if we put our things up there, our store gay love, if it becomes the highest thing in our, love, in our lives, then we, be, we begin to believe that, that it defines who we are, that we are defined by what we do. And God says that there's a much higher definition to our lives than that. If we allow eros to just run and rule our lives and to become the highest things in our lives, then addiction of all sorts starts to play out in our lives. And, and, and ultimately, we're left in the ruins of that. Jesus has to be first, and this is why he's saying you can't put anything before me. See, the great command is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. To understand that, to know that, to love God first so that he fills us with that agape love, and and so that then that agape love can go out of us into the world around us. We have to first love God And experience the love of God before you'll have any kind of real love to give to the rest of the world that so desperately needs to be loved. See, we're all just looking for love. The world out there, as it struggles, as it grasps, as it's looking for these different things, is chasing the love that only God can give us. We begin to chase after when it takes all kinds of forms in our lives. And we believe if I just catch this thing, that it will provide for me identity, meaning, and purpose in my life. Except then you have to chase it again. Then you have to chase it again. You have to chase it again because it's not sustainable. It's it's never meant to be that kind of a thing in our life. It's It's meant to take its right place, just like all of the relationships are around us. This is why Jesus says, "Look, if I'm the highest thing in your life, then nothing else can take that place. And if it does, then that's the highest thing in your life." We see it play out in addiction. When, when people struggle and they're struggling with alcohol or drugs, you see, it takes the highest place in their life, and nothing trumps it. Not their relationship to their parents, not the relationship to others not the relationship to their children. Nothing trumps it. Why? Because it's been elevated to the highest place in their life. So the solution to that is a spiritual one. It's to, it's to take and it's to put what's in its rightful place to the highest place in your life, which is God. And when we do that, and we become a new creation, that's when things change and it has to be our message of hope and we have to go after the world in the same manner that Jesus went after the world filled with this agape love this unconditional love that when it's not reciprocated with it still loves it still pursues it's still there love is a person love is also a verb John, 2 John 1.6, and this is love that we walk according to as a commandments, This is the commandment, just as you have heard it from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. John 14.20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, love is a verb. It's, a, it's an action word. It's not just a feeling. We spend our lives chasing the feeling of love, but love in its highest form is an action. It's a doing. It's, it's God's commands, one thing about them. We don't like the idea of commands, but in God's commands are freedom. Like I've told you before, when I was, when, before I was a believer, I would try to read the Bible. I would be like, okay. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou, what shall thou do? That's just all this, thou shalt not. But now I recognize that when I read those and I see, don't do this, don't do this, that what God is really trying to preserve in me is my freedom. He's intensely desirous of our freedom, that we would walk in freedom. You see, and the way that to walk in freedom is to do the things that God is calling you to. God says things like don't lie, and if we choose to lie, then we'll put ourselves under this, the bondage of a lie, right? You got to remember now what you told, who you told. You got to tell more to cover it up, and you have to live with the fear of being exposed for your lie. You just lost your freedom. Your freedom is now gone. It's been, it's been given away. So when God's commands, we're to understand that these are for our good, They're for our well-being. And that when we live in these things, that we actually live in freedom. Agape love is sacrificial. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, it's others-centered. Our love is self-centered. You see, we get with people in our natural state and in the flesh because of what they bring to us. You're hot. You're funny. You got money. I don't know what that looks like. You improve my status. And we fall in love with somebody many times for those reasons. And then what happens with couples is, is that they both, they, they, they approach the marriage like that. And then what happens is when one of them isn't bringing that anymore, then the other one begins to withhold what they know that the other one was in it for. And a whole process of withholding begins until they move further and further and further apart. See, the call for Christian love is to put your own needs aside and serve the needs of the other one. And in so doing, you get your own cup filled, which you need to have filled, by the way, but you get it filled in a very different way. Instead of it being from a selfish place, you're getting your cup filled from a selfless place. And that's a completely different way to do relationship. But greater love has this no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends the highest expression of love is when we put ourselves aside and we meet the needs of someone else. And it's where we find the most satisfaction. And it's the hardest thing to do. We struggle with this. But you see, this is the picture of the gospel. John three sixteen For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. See, the gospel itself is based in this agape love, that it's a giving that God gave, that Jesus gave everything. He withheld nothing so that you and I could have a relationship, so that our sin debt could be canceled out at the cross, and so that the righteousness of Christ could then be put into our account, and we could be made holy, blameless, and beyond reproach, not because of what we've done, not because we're good, but because God is good, because God is love. Not because we know what love is, but because he first loved us. Now we know and understand what real love is. Real love isn't getting what you want. It's giving, many times, what you don't want to. And Jesus laid down his life on our behalf, and this is love. 1 Corinthians 13 read at so many weddings. It's a description of the love of God. First off, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. What's that saying? That's saying you could do it all right, church. You could come to church every Sunday. You could read your Bible every day. You could give away everything to the poor. You could look to the world like some kind of an amazing, unbelievable human being. But if you don't have authentic and real love dwelling inside of you, it's just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of noise. Most likely your motive is to make you look good. That's the problem with our good works is that most often the motive for doing them is about us. It's about us looking good. It goes on to say this. It gives a description of the love of God. Love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love, that kind of love, never ends. It always wins. It's always successful. Matthew 5, 46 Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Doesn't everybody do that? Doesn't the whole world do that? Don't we just love who loves us? Ah, but the Bible's calling us to a higher form of love. It's calling us to, the, to that list out of 1 Corinthians, and it's calling us to love those who don't love us. It's calling us to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to do that. How do you do that? How do we have that? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't have it. You won't do it. You'll be offended. You'll be upset. You won't won't have the fortitude to do it for very long. But the Holy Spirit inside of us this dunamis, this this dynamic power and force that is living inside of us, when we're operating in that and His love is being expressed out of that, that is how you do it. 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. See, it's a work of the Spirit. It's the fruit that when we're rooted in, it's the fruit that begins to show up in our lives. You know John 21 is one of my favorite stories and it's it's one of the places where we can understand in the bible that that our our definition of love falls short. Like I said in the greek there are four different terms for love each each meaning a different thing but we just always translate love as love. And it really kind of confuses us because We don't understand that there are different levels to love. But in in John 21, we see this kind of this scene play out. And and it's really important to understand the loves that are there. Because each time it is just translated love. But when we just translate it as love, we're going to miss the point. Here's the story. Peter has denied Jesus three times, right? He's... uh, he doesn't even know what to do anymore. He's denied Jesus. Jesus has been crucified, and he's just sitting around, and he says, look, like I said last week, what any guy would probably love, I'm just, let's just go fishing, okay? Let's just go fish. We're going to go fish. So they fish all night. They don't catch anything. They're coming in to shore, and this guy on shore yells out, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? we have heard this story before, Right? They throw their their nets on the other side of the boat. Boom, it's full of fish. John says, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. And Jesus has got some fish there cooking up. And they begin this dialogue. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, first thing he says is, do you love me more than these Now, when Jesus says, do you love me more than these, his word for love is agape. Do you love me in the highest form, the selfless, highest form of love? Do you love me like I love you? Well, what's Peter supposed to say to that, honestly? What would you say to that? What would you say to that? He's he's already just denied Jesus three times. He's basically walked away, going back to his old life, doing his own thing. When Peter responds to Jesus at that point, Jesus says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. I have a great affection. I have a brotherly love for you. I have a lesser than love for you than agape. You know all things. So that's where I'm at. And after what I've done, and I've done all this stuff, and you know what I've done, and I've denied you, that's where I'm at. I agape. I, I, I can't say I agape you, but I can say that I have phileo you. I have a great affection for you. And Jesus says, Well, get away from me then. No. Your eyes got big. You're like, what? Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus says, do the action of love. Go and feed my sheep. Now, notice what Jesus is doing here. Peter's focus is all on himself. I've screwed up, I've done all of this stuff, I've, I've gone so far, I've, it's probably too late for me, I can't say I agape you, I, I phileo you, but now Jesus has said, take it outside of yourself. Go and do for others. Go and tend my sheep, tend my, take care of my sheep. And then Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me second time? Peter's like, Lord, you know, you know, I phileo you. I have a great affection for you. And Jesus says, tend my lambs. Go and do the action of love. Because when we begin to do the action of love, many times the feelings of love will follow. See, we're always looking for the feelings of love. And if the feelings of love aren't there, we won't do the actions of love. But God is calling us to a bigger thing. And at times, he's saying, why don't you just go do the action of love and let the feelings follow? Marriage, things like that, relationships, we don't always feel like doing the actions of love. But I promise you, if you both begin to do the actions of love, the feelings of love will follow. So Jesus says, look, go tend my lambs. Go do love. And then guess what? The last time, Jesus asked him now a third time, And this is the restoration of Peter in his life too and where he's thought that he went too far and he's gone too far. Now Jesus says this to him when he says love to Peter. He says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter, it says he begins to weep. And he says, Lord, you know all things. I phileo you. And we always say, well, he cried because Jesus had to ask him three times and he denied him three times. And there's, there's probably some truth to that. But I think that, G- that he began to weep because he recognized that he couldn't live up. At that point, Jesus is meeting him where he's at. Jesus isn't calling you and saying, look, you gotta be up here before you get started. And if you're not up here, then I'm done with you. No, Jesus brought it down and said, look, if that's where you're at, I'm going to meet you right there. And that's where we're at today. Wherever we're at in this journey, wherever we're at with walking in the Spirit, see, see Jesus is ready to meet us in that spot and begin to walk with us and begin to change in us that, that new creation that's alive in you. He's beginning to, wants to minister to us and to teach us what it truly looks like to walk in that phileo love, to walk according to the highest calling, the highest form of love, to not sell ourselves short into these lower forms of love, but to have those things come under the authority of the highest love so that those things in our lives might find their rightful place and that we might approach them in a good and healthy way. May it be, Lord, that we begin to do the actions of love, that we might change our mind on some things and then allow you to change our hearts, God. Might we be a church and a people who are walking sensitive to the Holy Spirit, having met with Him and heard from Him and been ministered to by Him and been filled up with agape love that as we walk out of here, we might be an expression of the love of God to the world around us, to the lost, to the hurting, to the confused, that we might be hope, that we might be light. See, we're all looking for a cause, and I'm going to tell you, church, the church has the greatest cause ever. We have the best message out there, that you can be made new, that life could start brand new, afresh for you today. That all you have to do is say yes, that Jesus has given everything on our behalf. That God so loved the world that He gave, and He gave everything. He withheld nothing at the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. And He stands ready to receive into His family whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord. When we would recognize that, God, I've went down this road, that I've done these things, that I've fallen short, that I took the things that, that I knew were right and I, took, and I made them wrong. And I, I took the things that were wrong and I made them right. And I followed my own desires and my own passions and it led me to a place of just despair and struggle. When we get to the end of that and we recognize then that I have a need and that need is for something outside of myself. That the love and that the passions and the things of my own doing are, are not leading me into a place of blessing. I need something bigger. I need an authority to live under. I need a higher love than what I've been expressing and living out of. And when we do that, the Bible says that we can be born again. We'll sell no cheap gospel here that it's just about saying a prayer and that's it and you're all good and fine. No, it's about lordship. He's a king with a kingdom. It's about everything. It's about giving our lives over to him. It's about taking what he says and these commands and actually doing them recognizing that there's life in this, that there's life in the doing of this, that there's goodness in this, that God is asking us to step out of a place of denial and step into reality and to allow Him to heal us and change us and make us new and then to guide us, to let us walk in accordance to what He calls us to, to walk filled with His Spirit, living out of His love and then experiencing something that's authentic. Do the action of love, church. Do the action of love. When you don't want to, do it anyway. It's hard. It's inconvenient. It costs something, but it's always worth it. And as we go out, remember, we're not called to go out and hate on the world out there. Church has done way too good of a job of coming against the world we got to come for the world. We've got to recognize that the world is lost, but we were lost too. What changed? Jesus changed. He's the one who changes things. When his love comes in, everything changes. Thank you Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you that you've given us a higher form of love. Help us, Lord, to understand that and to walk in that, and Lord, I'm praying that if there's nobody here, or if there's somebody here who's never experienced that or or never said yes to you, that today might be the day of salvation. I pray for that guy I was met the other day on the bike path, Lord, and I'm praying for him that that you're not done with him, that he hasn't gone too far. We know that, that that's not even possible, that your, your grace is extended far beyond our sin, that we can't do too much or go too far, that you can't find us or rescue us or help us in our time of need when we cry out. So I'm praying that, Lord, today might be the day of salvation. If if you've never recognized that, if you've never done that, then I ask you to consider, have you received Jesus? Have you received the love of the Savior? And Lord, for all those who have done that, who have said yes to you, Lord, we're asking for a filling of your Spirit. Help us that we might be rooted down into a deep place, into a place of great nutrients and, and that fruit might come out of our lives. Not because we're good, but because the good God, the loving God of the universe is expressing his life through ours. And Lord, we just, uh, we pray that we might be light, that we might be hope to somebody today, that we might walk in sensitive uh, connection to your spirit as we walk this earth this week, that we would know that you're at work and that you're doing things and that you are giving us the opportunity to participate in your work on this world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.